Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In the beginning of book eight of his meditations in chapter one, Marcus Aurelius is going to give himself a sort of assessment and reminder. It's translated here as encouragement to humility. And actually what he's saying is tuto prosto akenodoxon fere. So fere is him telling himself, bring this to bear, bring this to bear on what? Prosto akenodoxon. So kenodoxia is coming from two different words. It's used a lot in philosophy and also in religious contexts as well. Kenodoxia is translated typically as vain glory. Kenos means empty or vain, something that doesn't really have value. And doxia is glory, right? So you put them together. So somebody who has kenodoxia is somebody who's doing actions to look like a big shot, to look like they matter. A common example of this in the Middle Ages will be giving alms to those who are begging for them, not because you actually care about them, but because you want to appear to be a certain sort of person. And so what is he particularly interested in? The reputation, the appearance of being a philosopher. Now, he doesn't mean somebody who is writing philosophy books, teaching philosophy classes. He means somebody who's actually practicing philosophy. So, you know, a lot of the ancient philosophies were what we call philosophies as ways of life. And Marcus is primarily a Stoic. Stoicism was a philosophy as a way of life. You're not living, he's telling himself. You're not showing yourself to really be a philosopher. So he says, you haven't lived bebiokenai, your life, your bios, as a philosopher. Now, bios and this verb that's coming from it, they don't just mean your life as in a span of time. They mean the chosen life that you are pursuing. So we can talk about, for example, the life of luxury, the life of commitment, the life of, right? And so you're not living the life of a philosopher. Your life is not reflective of that, whether you're looking at it as a whole or just from childhood onward, as he's going to say. And then he says, you can see how far you are in Greek poro, how distanced you are from philosophy. And not only can you yourself see this, but so can other people, all of the other people, right? And so he's reminding himself because there will be some people who, oh, you're a philosopher king, just like Plato was advocating at the Republic. And, and Marcus is saying, I'm not, I'm not measuring up. I haven't been measuring up. That's not who I should pretend to be. And then he goes on and tells himself, it's not going to be easy, not, you know, radios in Greek, to acquire, literally to, to gain as property, ktesthain, right? Reputation, doxan, of being a philosopher. Why not? Well, for a variety of reasons, how you've been behaving, you're tainted, and your position, your hypothesis, is also a problem as well. So he says, well, that's not great, but now you actually know 
how things are. And there's a term that gets left out in some of the translations, alethos. You see, truly, you actually understand how things stand. Puketai ta pragma. Ta pragma is the affairs, the way things actually are. In this case, my own life and ketai, how they're arranged, how they've come out, how they're literally set down. So you see how things are. I could say the same thing for myself in other terms. I'm not going to be an Olympic 440 yard runner or something like that. That's long past, even though I did run that race back in high school. Yeah, look at my body. This ain't the body of a runner, right? And we could go on and on from here. It's very important to be realistic with yourself. And so what should he do given this realization? He tells himself, well, you know, forget what other people think. Now, it's very interesting because this term forget here is afes. Literally means to let go. It comes from the word to, to throw, throw away what other people think of you. This, by the way, is also the word that's used or translated as forgive in the Greek New Testament, right? So you know, it's kind of an interesting word to be using there. And then he says, you can live the rest of your life, what remains to you, as nature demands of you, right? As your human nature demands. And he says, focus on that. Don't let anything distract you. You've wandered all over and finally realized, and this is how you can get to being a philosopher, you realize you never found heuris, right? The word that we get heuristics from. You've never actually encountered what it is that you're looking for, how to live. And not just how to live, actually, but how to live well, or literally living well. To eu zain. Eu means well. Zain is living. And this is how it's been discussed really since Plato onward. You know, there's zain, living, and then there's the good life. To eu zain. What is that? And Marcus says, you know, you made some mistakes along the way. You didn't find it in syllogisms. Sulogismos. Now, this is very interesting. You didn't find it in arguments, right? That's what a syllogism is. So you didn't find it necessarily by studying philosophy or doing philosophy in the academic sense of making arguments. You also didn't find it in what else? In some of the things that he could have. In money, plutos, wealth, right? In fame, doxa. Again, we see this doxa coming up. You don't have the doxa of a philosopher. You also didn't find what you're looking for in the dokes of being an important person, nor did you find it in self-indulgence. Indulgence in pleasures is the Greek term there. So where are you going to find how to live the good life, right? And here's where he brings up three questions. So this is all part of what he's reminding himself of, right? Where is it to be found? Where is the good life going to be found? In doing, poying, what human nature, the nature of a human being, not just nature as a whole, but the distinct nature of a human being requires epizete, what it demands, what it's looking for. Interestingly, you know, our human nature is looking for us to behave according to human nature. And so this raises another question. All right, how do you do that? Well, having principles translated here as first principles, that's actually a little ambitious of a translation because the word here is dogmata. 
This is a very common word in Stoic philosophy. It gets translated also as opinions, judgments, assumptions. A dogma is something that you believe or you should believe, right? So we've all got plenty of dogmata. The question is whether they're actually the right ones or not, whether they're in touch with reality or based on mistaken appearances or imitating bad examples or things like that. So it really does matter what dogmata we have because we're going to operate according to them. So having principles, why does this matter so much? Because from them come intentions, hormai in Greek. This is a technical term for Stoic philosophy, often translated as impulse or choice. Could also be translated, I think, successfully as commitments, but intentions also works. What it is that we choose and therefore intend to do, what are we trying to do? And then the actual actions, praxis, the things that we do. We get practical from this, right? So our principles are very important. And so he says, well, which principles do I need to have then? Is it principles about any old topic? No, it's essentially ethical principles about good and evil, or quite literally about the good things or good things in general, periagathon, and bad things, kai Kakon, right? So the things that matter, the things that don't, the good things on one side, the bad things on the other side. And so what does this concern? Here's where we see Marcus giving, you could say, the typical stoic line of nothing is good except for virtue and what leads to virtue. Nothing is bad except the opposites of that. So nothing is good. And he says good for humans, Right? So he's not saying nothing is good whatsoever in the universe. He's saying for human beings, what is good for us? Nothing is good that does not lead to, and here he lists four things. Interestingly, three of these are the cardinal virtues, aren't they? Justice, temperance, courage. But then he talks about freedom. It's translated here as free will, but that's a bit of a mistranslation because it's eleutheria, which is the condition of being free as opposed to being constrained or being a slave or something like that. So it's not free will as such, but rather the state of being a free being, which then would mean you could exercise free will, right? So why doesn't he talk about wisdom here? Well, presumably this is actually part of wisdom, having the right principles or the right viewpoints about good and evil, which is included in the definition of wisdom when the Stoics actually provide it. So the freedom you know, maybe is something that we're supposed to aspire to. And then what's bad? Well, nothing is bad except what leads to the opposites of these. What would that be? Injustice, lack of self-control when it comes to pleasures and desires, cowardice of varieties, being unable to see things through would be an opposite to courage too. And then what's the opposite of freedom? Unfreedom, being a slave. The Stoics often contrasted a kind of, we could say, psychological freedom and slavery versus the legal state of being free or enslaved. And so this is supposed to provide him with sort of a comprehensive overview of how he's been doing in terms of his life. Not great, 
you know, in terms of philosophy, and then what he can do for the rest of his life and how he ought to understand what it is that he's to do for the rest of his life in order to try to live as a philosopher from this point onward, perhaps with a little trail of success along the way. And I think this is something that all of us could take to heart and read ourselves into in these words written so long ago that remain very relevant today. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.